every Monday to Friday. This is Peter Lewis's Money Talk. Money Talk. Good morning. I hope you had a great weekend. Welcome back to Money Talk at the start of the new working week on Monday, the 26th of February. This is Peter Lewis with an update on the latest business stories from across Asia. This podcast is sponsored by Surfing Group, which is headquartered in Singapore and offers online financial services to 30 million customers across 10 countries. In today's business and finance headlines, Hong Kong plans to be more focused and effective in using limited public resources while facing a deficit, Financial Secretary Paul Chan wrote in his blog yesterday. That's before announcing the SAR's 2024 budget on Wednesday. Mr Chan said in his latest post Sunday that the complex geopolitical situation and high interest rates slowed down post-COVID economic growth last year, but the support of the country and connectivity to the rest of the world remain Hong Kong's biggest strengths in building its economy. The Financial Secretary expects Hong Kong's economy to gradually pick up and the business environment to improve this year. Fresh data showed China's new home prices fell almost in 10 months in January, despite multiple efforts from Beijing to revive the property sector. China's new home prices declined by 0.7% year-on-year in January, steeper than a 0.4% fall in the prior month. It was the seventh straight month of declines and the steepest pace since March 2023. The National Bureau of Statistics said 56 of 70 large and medium-sized cities saw month-on-month drops in new home prices, down from 62 in December 2023. Fed Governor Christopher Waller, a voting member of the interest rate-setting Federal Open Market Committee, said Friday that data since his last speech on January the 16th has reinforced his view that they need to verify inflation progress and there's no rush to start cutting interest rates. He warned that cutting too soon could undermine the inflation progress and pose considerable harm to the economy. China's stock markets inched higher on Friday. The CSI 300 ended 0.1% firmer at 3,490, extending its winning streak to nine consecutive days. For the week, it rose 3.7% after markets reopened from the Lunar New Year holiday. And the CSI 300 has now turned positive for the year, but remains down about 40% from a 2021 peak. On today's programme, I'm joined by Alex Wong, Director at Alex KY Wong Asset Management, and David Friedland, Managing Director of Asia Pacific at Interactive Brokers. Providing a view from mainland China will be Yanan Wu, the Chairman and CEO of Surfing Group. And if you want to get in touch, please go to my website, peterlewismoneytalk.substack.com. The Facebook page for any questions or comments is Peter Lewis Money Talk. On X, I'm at Money Talk R3. On Wall Street, the S&P 500 eked out a new record high on Friday. The benchmark index rose by less than 0.1% to close out the week at 5,089. And earlier Friday, the broad market index broke above 5,100 for the first time. And for the week, it gained 1.7%. The tech-heavy Nasdaq Composite fell a third of a percent to 15,997 after notching a fresh 52-week high earlier in the session, and the fall reduced its weekly gain to 1.4%. The Dow added 62 points, or 0.2%, closing at an all-time high of 39,132. Over the holiday-shortened week, it gained 1.3%. 
NVIDIA is on track to become the first semiconductor firm with a $2 trillion valuation. The chipmaker's shares rose 0.4% Friday to close with a $1.97 trillion valuation after briefly topping the $2 trillion mark in intraday trading. Ten-year treasuries rallied with yields falling 8 basis points to 4.25%. The yield on the two-year note was down 3 basis points at 4.69% and the yield curve flattened on the week to its most inverted since 2023. Rate cut expectations for 2024 continue to slide, with Fed Fund's futures markets now pricing just a 30% chance of four cuts and 70% odds of three cuts this year. And June is now the favoured month for rate cuts to start. The US dollar index ended the day flat, just below 104. The dollar was unchanged against the yen at 150.5 per dollar. The yuan was unchanged in Shanghai at 7.19 and a half renminbi per dollar. Gold closed 0.6% higher at $2,036 an ounce, the highest since the start of the month. And for the week, the precious metal rose 1.1%, the best week of the year so far. Brent crude oil settled at $81.62 a barrel, down 2.5% on the day and 2.2% lower over the week. Hong Kong's Hang Seng Index was 17 points lower, or 0.1% in volatile trading, ending the day at 16,726. And for the week, the city's benchmark index rose 2.4%, and the Hang Seng has risen almost 12% since the benchmark hit a 14-month low in January. The Hang Seng China Enterprises Index climbed 3.7% last week and is close to wiping out its losses for the year. Looks like a flat open for the Hang Seng this morning. Futures markets project the index to start the day at 16,720. And you can get more details on the latest market movements in my daily newsletter, which you'll find at peterlewismoneytalk.substack.com. Every Monday to Friday, this is Peter Lewis's Money Talk. Peter Lewis's Money Talk. Let's welcome our Monday morning guests. We have with us Alex Wong, director at Alex KY Wong Asset Management. Morning to you, Alex. Hi, morning, Peter. And also joining us, David Friedland, who is Managing Director of Asia Pacific at Interactive Brokers. Morning to you, David. Morning, Peter. So NVIDIA's bumper earnings, it drove a global stock market rally last week. We saw the S&P 500, the Dow, Europe's Stock 600, France's CAC Carence, Germany's DAX, all hit record highs, along with, of course, Japan's Nikkei 225, which closed above 39,000 for the first time ever. NVIDIA is on track to become the first semiconductor firm with a $2 trillion valuation. Um, Alex, is that justified? Yeah, I think uh, this is still justified because the earnings growth is uh, very um, phenomenal. I think uh, you have to take into account of uh, this um, social era in influence on the stock market. Nifia probably, probably uh, is the one that uh, everyone in the world is uh, concerning about right now. So um, buyers actually are from the group and then um, everyone actually um, sitting on it very um, comfortably. So I think uh, it probably may be a little bit overbought because of this, but I think uh, the momentum actually would be strong. And and but this would be an exceptional case because Nifia's story is uh, very unique. So I think uh, we should not be too enthusiastic to find the next Nifia. I think Nifia probably will be, it would be a very unique case. Mm. It, it's sort of the, almost it's the most important stock in the world at the moment, isn't it, really, in terms of uh, what's driving the markets right now? 
Yeah, right. Uh, actually, if you if you look at Nvidia valuation, it's around two two trillion. If you compare it to Bitcoin, then I would rather buy Nvidia instead of Bitcoin. Mm. So I think uh, that's the logic behind this uh, 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 phenomenon. I think uh, uh, this is the, the, the most important stock in, in the world right now, and it will continue to be so. I, I suppose, to be fair to the company, I mean, it had, um, v- there was very lofty expectations about how its results were going. And a lot of people were concerned that it just couldn't possibly meet um, those high expectations. But it, it not only met it, it beat them, didn't it? It beat on revenue, it beat on earnings, it beat on its forward guidance uh, for the coming quarter. Um, you really couldn't find almost anything wrong with those, uh, those results at all. Yeah, right. Uh, I think uh, uh, the the key risk is that uh, some um, a really serious competitor coming out. So uh, that is uh, the thing that would end this uh, the rally. But I think uh, people probably are very comfortable on this head edge. So that's why uh, it is uh, so um, uh, supported. And and in the meantime, because of the lack of uh, real competitions from the art from others, so um, I think Nvidia uh, probably may continue to deliver. Is there any competitor on the horizon that could compete with NVIDIA? If uh, you believe in NVIDIA, probably Huawei would be the one. Mm, okay, well, that would be interesting. David, what, what do you think about this? I mean, this is um, an extraordinary stock in many ways, really, isn't it? Uh, the, 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 the world stock markets are depending upon it. I mean, how, how justified do you think it is? Well, it, it justifies the um, – it's justified, but it just shows the, the – importance and acceleration of the, of the focus on AI mm. and the demand for the chips. And they just nailed that They got the chips. They, they, you know, everyone knew this was kind of coming, but get developing a chip is so damn difficult and they just have it. And obviously all you know, AMD and some other companies are going to try um, as hard as they can to come up with, with something in the next generation, but I don't see it in the, for, in, in the immediate future. Um, it's dominant force. It's amazing the way the company's changed, isn't it? Because a few years ago, it it was really it was known for its graphics cards. That's uh, that's what you bought Nvidia um, for. But it's sort of completely transformed itself into this uh, sort of AI chip manufacturer, and 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 really cottoned on to the the biggest trend we've seen in in markets for a long, long time. Well, yeah. Well, the AI chips were coming, but then um, you know prior to that, they, they really monopolized on the and they hit the home run with Bitcoin. Um, mining and they had the chip that was fastest and dominant for that they were a stagnant stock for years um intel was a much you know, they kind of worked in parallel intel was actually a much stronger stock and you compare the two it's phenomenal how the, the time did flip is the ai um phenomenon is it justified i mean jensen huang says um ai is at a tipping point um now do, do you think he's right um i i think so you know at first you can always be skeptical when new technologies come out, but the reality of what's happening and, what, and how it's transforming certain things, we're only at the, I wouldn't even call it a tipping point. We're at, we're at a dawn of a new resurgence of what, what the possibilities are, good and bad. Mm. And it's affecting every industry, isn't it, including yours? It's in, affecting financial services as well. well. Of course, you have everything from stock pregnancy, you know, People predict the stock market uh, using AI to trading, but also for in the client service space, it's um, going to be transformative. Where um, the amount of information that's available to anyone is going to be at a click of a button, and it, it's 
to focus on certain aspects and improve many areas of um, just even the financial reporting of things you can automate and, and um, things that you can do in the industry to make things much more efficient. Of course, there's a lot of risk with that because AI is only as good as, you know, the old computer adage, garbage in, garbage out. You've got to make sure the bots are learning properly. But are you having to rethink as a firm um, your your business model as a result of AI and the, and the sort of services that you're you're providing to clients? Is is it posing a, a big challenge? Well, at this point, I wouldn't pull, I'd call it more of an opportunity than a challenge, um, because it, the access um, and the availability of information that you can put in front of people to make decisions is so much. Um, I guess, stronger, it's much more available, much easier to, to obtain. Um, so sure, we have to think about how we implement that into our business. Mm. Um, and that's going to be changing rapidly. Um, just like the, we, we, we went through this before with the internet 20 years ago. I think developed so fast. Let's see what happens here. Mm. Alex, where, where does the stock price go from here? I mean, it's at an all-time high. It's almost got a $2 trillion um, valuation. Can it keep on surging like this? I think that it would still be very well supported. So, um, and very likely uh, it would uh, continue to be overbought because I think uh, this uh, social era, so social media era actually is, uh, would, would propel certain stocks to um, very high um, levels. So I think that this is the one uh, which we are having it right now. So I think uh, we are likely to see it continue to go higher, but I think uh, we should be cautious in chasing the the next NVIDIA or the poor man versions of NVIDIA. I think that that is uh, the, the risk uh, uh, of uh, trading right now. Is it going to be enough, though, to keep the global market rally going? As, as I mentioned earlier, we've got new highs now in the US, in Europe, in, in Japan. Um, can this rally keep going on the back of almost just one stock or just one phenomenon, the AI phenomenon? No, I think uh, it, it would not be able to keep uh, all the things higher. But I think uh, certain concepts actually would uh, emerge. Uh, I actually like uh, uh, films relating to stock trading because I think uh, many people actually would be interested in stocks because of NVIDIA. And probably they would um, uh, spread out their buyings into other things. And so um, actually, um, uh, I think uh, exchanges, brokers, and index providers actually they are probably would be okay uh, in the next one. So I think uh, uh, we would see uh, more and more interest coming out from uh, the, the retail side in the group because of Nvidia. So I, uh, that would be supportive for, for certain sectors. But I doubt uh, whether um, this was uh, continue to spread out to the whole market because our interest rate outlook actually is not that favorable. Mm. And is this something that you're seeing signs of, David, because of the the interest in NVIDIA and the, and the publicity that NVIDIA is getting? Is it encouraging people to trade stocks overall? I think so. I, I think, but it's not just NVIDIA. It, NVIDIA is, you know, first we had, we had Tesla, where there was massive interest in, you have all the FANG stocks, and then we're gaining interest, and then you have the access of information. So, and then all the news with NVIDIA, which kind of overlaps with the whole Bitcoin and, and uh, the crypto phase phenomena, where <clears throat> access for new investors is, is so simple. And, and I guess, 
is what people talk about over the water cooler, if, if, I guess, if they came to work. But mm-hmm. these days of work, they talk about it on videos and social media. So, yes, there's, there is a whole new class of investors coming into the market. Um, what's really interesting is that not only are they looking at the stocks, the, the um, stock options have been uh, growing um, in particular interest amongst new traders in retail, and, and they've seen good growth this year as well. Uh, is some of that fairly speculative, though? I mean, we hear reports about you know a lot of interesting things like one-day options, which you know expire at the end of the trading day, which are really um, sort of all-or-nothing bets on the market, aren't they? Yeah, they're actually they call them zero days, but uh, they're, they're um, they are speculative. They're, they're, they're the fastest growing sector in the op- things in the sector. Well, not sector, sec- product uh, that's uh, in the option space is growing, um, but they are used. There's a lot of with the high interest. There's good plays out there to take advantage of just hedging your, your stock, getting some instant cash um, against the options. Um, but they are very speculative, and people like them. Mm. Uh, Alex, what happens if Nvidia goes into reverse? Does the whole market rally come to a screeching halt? Uh, may not be. I think uh, if it comes down, then probably we may see a, a rotation into value uh, at that time. So I think it depends on the reason of uh, the reversal. Mm. But of course, it will bring down other tech stocks uh, if it happens. So, so what is the, the, the what's going to take the S and P five hundred, so sort of fifty one hundred and and above? I mean, it's above five thousand already now. The the Dow's above thirty nine thousand. Um, do we need new leadership to try and get this net next leg up, or or is this going to be enough? Just this current theme. I think the current theme actually is enough. I think that people are very confident in AI right now, and we are having a Sora, and that is a. Uh, boosting the confidence towards the bigger caps. So I think that this is already having enough uh, catalyst. So um, we are lucky to see continuation of this uh, current uptrend. Yeah. Mm, I mean, it's, it's gains. It's it's about a quarter of the S&P's gains, that, gains this year. So it's sort of like a, a pretty top-heavy market at the moment, isn't it? But you, you don't seem to be too worried about that. Yeah, I think uh, this is the uh, new phenomenon because right now um, interest rate outlook is not that favorable. So people are not willing to diversify much into lagers. So um, we are lucky to see um, the AI beneficiaries to continue dominating the market for a while until we see some change in the interest rate outlook. Otherwise, I think uh, value probably will still be uh, lagged behind. Mm. I, I mean, what I find astonishing is just how much the market cap of these these companies are, are growing. I mean, the magnificent seven big tech stocks. They on Thursday, they added over five hundred million dollars, billion dollars in market cap, five hundred and fourteen billion dollars in market cap. Just those seven stocks. That's almost the whole of J.P. Morgan's valuation. I mean, we're in astonishing sort of territory, really, aren't we? Yeah. Uh... We have to consider that um, uh, Texa and Apple right now is already our favor because of its own reason. Mm. So uh, someday probably we may see uh, that kind of thing happening to, to others as well. Actually, Google also uh, uh, is lagging behind now. So I think uh, we need to examine the uh, stories of uh, each individual companies, uh, uh, even though um, the overall trend is strong. But of course, this is uh, astonishing because I think uh, this is well supported by global interest and actually uh, 
if you consider the number of investors in the world and then the, the the market cap of Nvidia, uh, if they concentrate their buying on certain certain small areas, actually that would be very supportive for them, and then and then that could create a positive spiral because uh, people bought earlier actually are sitting comfortably. Probably they they liquidate some of the holdings and then sit on uh, zero cost. So so that is why they are so strong. Mm. David, what are your thoughts? I mean, this is uh, a, f- a market that's you know going to all-time highs on a smaller and smaller number of stocks. It's not even the Magnificent Seven anymore now, is it? It's a subset of them. But the sort of gains that we're seeing in these companies on a daily basis is just, just astonishing. Yeah, I think some of that is the news and how everyone focuses on one or two particular stocks. But the reality is earnings remain strong. And in a high interest rate environment, <clears throat> you think when's it going to fall apart? And it just doesn't fall apart. The earnings in the U.S. have remained strong this season. I think I, I don't know if I had the exact number. I think it was like seventy percent of the companies were meeting or beating estimates, mm. and we're, we're probably six months away to start lowering rates, which could possibly improve earnings even further. So I think things are looking pretty good, especially if they can hit the soft landing and and. If we go back two years ago, we were all talking about a recession. That just didn't happen. And here we are looking at it's almost like a mat, the ship has been guided pretty damn well. Yeah. And um, I don't see things crashing that quickly because you know, the earnings are there supporting pricing. It's not even a soft landing for the economy, really, is it? It's no landing at all. The economy is just going on um, pretty well as it was. Yeah, cheap. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of shocking, but the, the consumer power is strong, and um, market keeps sticking along. And that's obviously not the case globally, but the U.S. is driving the world in terms of what's where the capitalization is, where the trading is. Well, I suppose that's the thing, isn't it? It's the U.S. is the outlier now, isn't it? Because if we look at the economic data uh, from elsewhere, um, what Germany's slipped into recession, the U.K.'s in recession, Japan's in a technical recession, um, a lot of other economies uh, in the region we're seeing from the GDP data, like Singapore, for example, is, is slowing. It's almost now that this is not a global phenomenon. It's just the U.S. is the outlier in a, in a, in a world of slowing economic growth. I guess that's somewhat true, but, um, you know, I guess those markets are slowing down, but they're still plodding along. They haven't crashed. And, and um, you know, I, I still, you know, as the U.S. does falter at some point, that money will probably flow into the other sectors. But right now, it, it's you put your money where the strength is. Mm. Alex, of course, we, we shouldn't forget, it's almost been overlooked in the excitement about NVIDIA, but we did get the uh, the Fed's minutes of its last meeting um, uh, earlier in the month. And, and it was clear from those minutes that the Fed is not ready to start cutting rates yet, is it? And probably not at, at the earliest until June, if you listen to what uh, Fed Governor Christopher Waller was saying on Friday. Yeah, I think uh, public market is already expecting a, uh, a cut not earlier than June already. But that is not affecting too much. I think uh, the bond market actually reflect uh, more on the interest rate outlook right now because um, this year we have a strong divergence between stock and bonds. Uh, bonds actually are remain under pressure for quite some time, but the stock market continues to be supported by AI. So I think the market actually um, is already discounting that uh, the way cut would be delayed and the magnitude of the cut this year actually would be smaller than expected earlier. Uh, this, I think, would be would be 
are discounted already. And and but of course, uh, we probably may continue to look at data because uh, uh, inflation data actually are more stickier than 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 we expected. So that probably may still be the the concern right now. It does look like that the market is coming more in line with what the Fed was thinking. We seem to be, at one stage, we're at six rate cuts this year. The market now is pricing in um, around three rate cuts. But I'm wondering if the Fed is going to move away from that. I mean, that's what the last dot plot said. But maybe the Fed, do you think it's um, maybe starts uh, starting to revise down its own forecast to maybe just two or one rate cuts this year? Yeah, I think that that... that that is uh, a chance because uh, if you look at the data right now, uh, job market remain uh, resilient, and then the inflation actually is a worrisome. I think uh, we actually expect inflation to slow down uh, much more faster, but uh, the latest facts actually are much stickier than we thought. So I think that that is the key to watch right now because um, we probably uh, will need to see inflation to cool down before we see rate cuts. Mm. Is is there a chance that rates could go up? We've we've had that uh, balloon floated by Larry Summers last week, who said, you know, there there is a chance that the next rate, uh, the next rate move could be higher rather than lower. We saw the uh, Australian Central Bank; they debated at their last meeting whether to actually raise rates. The Reserve Bank of New Zealand's being rather hawkish um, at the moment as well. Could could we be getting this wrong? And maybe you know, we're not going to see rate cuts. We may have to see further hikes. Uh, that depends a lot on inflation, but I, I'm optimistic that uh, the inflation actually would not be uh, getting much higher. So uh, I think we are unlikely to see rate hike, but uh, the, the, uh, the 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 timing of uh, inflation or of rate cut actually would would probably much more later than the uh, market expected. That is a uh, risk. David, what are your thoughts on on that? I, I think well. <laughs> Yeah, the, the Fed is doing their, their best to not be political. At least they say so. And if you have a rate, in, you know, they raise rates during an election year, that becomes political. So I think they'll try to avoid that as best they can. But of course, inflation is 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 the key here, mm. and it seems to be out of control. Although Donald Trump would say, if they cut rates this year, that will be political as well. He would say he was that he'd be credited for that. <laughs> He's the reason he would say he he'd take credit for went up or down either way, um, but um, well, yeah, but but they've been forecasting and they've been they've been saying what they've been the rate cuts are coming and that's factored into the market so it doesn't matter what he says or doesn't because that's it's what the market thinks, um, and I think it's anticipated so I think staying you know staying the course and, and keeping as they are is essentially the same as rate increases because everyone's in factoring the cuts. Mm. But the, 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 from the Fed's perspective, I suppose that if it's a, truly a data-dependent um, Fed, it couldn't possibly c- conceive of cutting rates at the moment, could it, based on the data that we're seeing? Well, you know, you see the January data where, you know, if you're going to raise prices, quite often happens in January. So we have to see what happens to the inflation with the price, um, you know, the next inflation data coming out in February and March. But also um, job creation was incredibly strong in, in um, January. We'll see if that continues. Um, and that will be the driving factors. It, it does look like, doesn't it, that inflation has got rather sticky from the, if we look at the last few months' data, it seems to be stuck around 3%. So um, there's not much sign at the moment of it coming down to 2%. 
I don't think so. And, and there's still with, with the job market so strong, there's still pressure on, on uh, wage inflation as well. Mm. So it probably is sticky for a bit. Alex, let me ask you about Japan, another market that's hit um, a new all-time high. It's above 39,000 now. It last hit that on the very final day of trading back in December uh, 1989. Where does Japan go from here? Uh, It is a more uh, tech-driven value uh, of this one. So uh, this is uh, supported by NVIDIA, uh, and we have uh, certain uh, high-end manufacturers in Japan uh, making new highs. So um and and I think uh, uh we probably may still see Japan to go higher. Global interests are, are gathering and and actually many companies fundamentals are improving. So I I still like Japan. It is relatively uh cheap compared to to US of course. So uh, uh we probably may see momentum to 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 continue. And is it benefiting from also the fact that it's not China um, and some of this money that's coming out of China needs somewhere else to go to? Yeah, this is, uh, of course, uh, a, another another reason behind this rally. But uh, companies that with exposure in China, let's just say, though, actually are not doing too much. So, um, uh, And also tourist arrival from China actually is, uh, uh, remain a little bit weakish. So I think uh, that... It's not happening too much, but I think uh, in terms of fund flow, uh, it, it would be continued benefit of benefiting from, 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 from the outflow from China. David, how do you feel about Japan? It's quite a big psychological level, isn't it? Regaining that all-time high that it last hit back in 1989. Yeah, that's pretty scary. 1989, the latest high. <laughs> <laughs> do you know, that was the date that I moved out to Japan, that very day the market yeah. peaked. In 1989 was the day I arrived in Japan for three years. Oh, time to move back. <laughs> but they, they, it, it's, I mean, with the, with the yen where it is, it, it's it's relatively cheap. It's still relatively cheap for um, currency-wise to invest in Japan. And it is, I mean, the market has been stagnant for so long and the earnings are coming and the, the economy is starting to turn around. And, and there is, you know, things, it took phenomenally long time for things to shift, but it's still, you know, I think the U.S. and other markets around the world have new highs, it seems, every other week. Um, well, a couple of years ago, we had straight momentum upwards. That didn't happen in Japan, so it's almost a catch-up play. Um, but with the currency where it is, yeah, I think there's a lot of room. So you think, um, you know, that, that we could start seeing Japan doing what the U.S. is doing and just keep notching, and India has done as well this year, just keep notching more and more all-time highs? I think so. I think that's in the, in the short-term forecast, at least. Mm. It, it has got the benefit of all this corporate reforms, hasn't it? It's a very different-looking Japan from 1989. There are some real shareholder reforms going on now. Well, it's you know, I guess Japan is one of those places that takes a long term, long time to get things right. So this corporate reform, it was due overdue for ages and ages. So and the fact is that it, it's gonna, hopefully it feeds upon itself. That look, wow. We can we can actually have good governance and and our markets our stocks benefit. Mm. So I think transparency and and, and um, will only benefit the market further. Alex, got to talk about uh, China. The CSI 300 rallied for the ninth day on Friday. It's up about 3.7% uh, for the week, and it's turned positive for the year now. So is this sustainable? I think uh, it would still be going higher, but uh, the pace actually would be quite slow. Uh, first of all, I want to point out that uh, 
among uh, the group, uh, actually EVs and and solar are very weak right now. If you look at the U.S. Uh, solar stocks and EVs, actually they are coming down. Uh, so um, things that China are doing very well actually are, are depressed right now. So um, actually that is a uh, uh, that is reflecting the the concern on pricing power of uh, of of uh, Chinese companies. Uh, when a sector is dominated by by Chinese, actually the profit margin actually would be very because uh, of uh, the overcapacity situation. So I think that is uh, the key long-term risk in investing in China. So um, that's why I don't think uh, there would be too much upside uh, eventually. But right now, I think uh, sentiment is improving and we are seeing some um, uh, catch-up buying in certain sectors. And then the good thing is that we are seeing some uh, uh, renewed interest in internet uh, uh, from outside. We have... Um, uh, um, um, uh, Citroen coin buy on Baidu last week, and that is, I think, a good sign. So probably may see some uh, strength in certain names in the internet, and also uh, Chip.com is uh, is uh, is being uh, hot right now, and that is also happening. So I think uh, uh, certain sectors in China is okay, but I don't think uh, the um, manufacturing sector uh, would be would be the good one to pick right now. And and what do you make of all these restrictions on quantitative funds selling? We've heard reports about being banned selling at the opening and the close, although the CSRC did deny that on Friday. But nevertheless, there is a lot of scrutiny, isn't there, on these types of quantitative funds? And there are various restrictions in, in place. What are your thoughts about that? Oh, I think that is bad for liquidity in the, uh, in the Asia market because uh, of this uh, uh, concern. So uh, we probably may see a lower trading uh, to be a trend. And then also, if people are concerned about selling, then they would not buy because uh, they know that um, uh, the, 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 the risk of ex- uh, exiting actually would, would, would be going higher. So I think uh, that is uh, not a good thing for the overall market, even though in the short term, probably it would be supportive. But in the long run, actually, valuation would go down because of the concern on uh, liquidity. This must be a big concern for foreign investors, mustn't it? Because they've got duties to their clients, their customers, and if they can't sell, um, they can't meet those fiduciary duties. Yeah, I think uh, that's why I think uh, Hong Kong actually would outperform China because of this concern. So uh, very likely we may see uh, more trading from foreigners to be focused uh, in Hong Kong. So do you think the Hang Seng's turned a corner? Uh, I think uh, we have seen a low. Uh, it would uh, not be tested for some time. I think uh, we are likely to see some more recovery. But uh, the upside may not be too much. As I've said, I am not keen on uh, manufacturing. And then um, uh, consumer names actually um, may not be too high as well because of the deflation expectations. So uh, we, we need to see the internet to pick up uh, a lot, but uh, probably uh, Tencent would still be affected by the uh, uh, selling pressures from its uh, big shareholders. So I think uh, overall, uh, the upside potential is not that huge. David, what, what are your thoughts about uh, about mainland China and um, Hong Kong? What sort of interest from, from customers there? Well, I think in, in, in China, anytime you ban um, or, or limit 
trading, such as preventing short sales. I could see banning naked short sales, but if you borrow, if you have access to shares to borrow, um, short sales provide liquidity, and you have these long short funds, which actually do a good job in the market of providing liquidity and keeping things in check. Um, everyone goes mad when markets fall really fast, but you have to be just as careful when they rise so quickly because they tend to fall faster. Hmm. So I, I don't think it's going to help them long term. It's a short term. It's almost a, it's, it's a Hail Mary pass. Um, so it's not great. Um, so I think it'll take it'll use a little bit of confidence when that happens. So that's that'll take some time to get back. Um, but and then you have to get the housing under control where, uh, you know, money's going in to support developers and projects. But the reality is that it's the people in the, in the call it the suburbs of China, which is pretty much everywhere. They need confidence in, in the market to feel some wealth back and pricing has to stabilize and, and housing. So they feel you know the wealth effect so they can go back into the market. So I think in that respect, Hong Kong will benefit and outperform because it's, it seems more confident. It's not the greatest in Hong Kong right now, but the confidence is slowly coming back. Mm. And it's a freer market, as you say. It's um, you know when you put all these restrictions in place, um, it makes people worried that they could get trapped into the market. Yeah, absolutely. So if you have a place to invest, you're going to put your money where you know you can get it out. Mm. Okay, interesting thoughts there. Well, thank you both very much uh, for speaking with me this morning. Great to hear your thoughts on on the markets. That was David Friedland, who's Managing Director for Asia Pacific at Interactive Brokers, and Alex Wong, who is Director of Alex KY Wong Asset Management. I'm joined now by Dr. Yanan Wu, who is the chairman and CEO of Surfing Group, headquartered in Singapore. Morning, Yanan. Good morning, Peter. How are you this morning? I'm great. Thank you very much indeed. Now, look, China markets, uh, the CSI 300 ended 0.1% higher on Friday, but for the week, up almost 4%. So quite a significant rebound since markets reopened from the Lunar New Year holiday. And the CSI 300 has now turned positive for the year, although it is down about 40% from its peak in 2021. What is the, the mood, the sentiment like on the mainland among investors at the moment towards the, the market there? Yes, uh, uh, it's really a volatile market so far in 2024 for Asia. Uh, it's, uh, you know, basically the confidence rebuilding uh, mood right now. Uh, so trying to recover uh, from the probably, you know, the one of the, uh, uh, the, 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 the uh, start of uh, a new year. Uh, so if you look at, uh, you know, since uh, uh, last November uh, 2023, uh, the Asian market has been into a down mood, uh, mostly uh, driven by three forces. One, of course, is the confidence. Uh, you know, the fundamentals uh, actually hasn't changed much, but actually the uh, the confidence for the prospect uh, economic re- uh, recovery is in a very moody situation, especially the so-called northern bound capital or the foreign uh, flows has reduced quite, uh, succeed very rapidly. Uh, so they slowly, I think, uh, globally reallocation out of China uh, to the nearest markets such as uh, India or Japan. So I think the global allocation has a disfavor of Chinese Asia market since uh, the first quarter of last year. And secondly, is the uh, uh, 
uh, is the uh, the so-called margin calls and also by security financing and also the stock collateralization by some the major shareholders of Asia listed companies uh, reach uh, you know a, a historic high so that give uh, uh, further pressure uh, to the downward uh, trend momentum of the market and third is the crowding effect of uh, some of uh, quantitative funds uh, that's uh, mostly uh, biased towards more caps and that uh, introduces further selling pressure you know after uh, the reallocation uh, re uh, sector rotation uh, the uh, style rotation uh, for the quant funds. So all these uh, three factors, uh, you know, basically form a perfect stop uh, from the end of last year to early this year in in January. So, uh, but I guess the three uh, other positive momentums, you know, for rebuilding the confidence, one is, of course, the national team uh, coming in to support markets represented by central government reserve, you know, Hui Jin, uh, funds uh, buying the ETFs you know, in various sectors and styles. And secondly, is the uh, uh, the change of the uh, CSRC leadership. You know, the old chairman uh, is gone and represent the new CSRC chairman, Mr. Wu Qin. And third is the you know the talk about slow supply of uh, IPOs, but more scrutiny of the delisting in the new year. So that uh, create a uh, you know, recovery mood so far in February after Chinese New Year, the dragon start of dragon year of dragon in Asia markets. Is there a worry on the, on the mainland among investors that a lot of this rally is coming because of support measures uh, from the regulatory authorities, restricting selling, telling certain funds that they can't short sell, others that they can't offload their stocks? Is there a worry that without those support measures, really, um, that the market would struggle to move up um, at all and therefore that this may be just a temporary rebound? Yes, uh, we have to watch and see. Uh, so uh, at least, uh, you know, so far, uh, the mood is positive. Uh, of course, there's some measures by the so-called window uh, guidance for from the regulators. Uh, for example, this, uh, uh, you know, just basically for a short while, this uh, force and uh, no short selling. Uh, that's number one. Secondly, there also uh, no net selling. Uh, for any found uh, in the opening market or closing, uh, closing bell of the market. So, so that's uh, probably the temporary measure introduced by the uh, the regulators trying to cool down the momentum or sentiment. Uh, but uh, I think so far, at least we can see the uh, regulators has a uh, rather you know uh, you know very clear. Uh, tolerance uh, level, for example, the Shanghai Composite at uh, 2,650, uh, the index at that uh, 2,650 point seems uh, is, uh, is what uh, the regulator uh, can tolerate, uh, the, so the, pop, the bottom of the market. So that's where the national team come in, the Huijin uh, Capital, 
uh, you know, support market with estimates so far has been uh, invested in various ETFs uh, for about 170, uh, over 170 billion RMBs. Uh, so that shows that the government tried to support uh, the government at this, uh, you know, very cheap valuation level. And secondly, the new chairman, uh, CSRC, Mr. Wuching has uh, visited uh, the stockbrokers and also talked to, you know, some uh, experts of the uh, stock market and also retail investors trying to listen their feedback and views. And uh, the the new chairman style is uh, very harsh on, uh, you know, on the regulate on the transparency of the listed company and has a very harsh measures uh, toward those who uh, have cheating or have insider trading. So, so far, there's uh, quite a number of cases already revealed after the new chairman, Mr. Wu Chin, uh, takes the post. So, so I guess the market is, uh, is sense that uh, there will be slowdown of IPO supplies because from the Last two years, the IPO, uh, Chinese uh, Asian IPO, has hit uh, you know global historical high. It's the largest, world's largest uh, IPO market. Uh, while the market uh, mood is not uh, strong enough, uh, and with the new chairman coming in, is trying to slow down the supply of the IPOs, but actually would put more scrutiny on the delisting process. So we'll see more and more, uh, you know. Uh, Probably the very questionable uh, listed company with various issues will be delisted, exit the market. So hopefully that will clean, give a more positive momentum and a sustainable sentiment uh, for the capitals, uh, whether it's from a domestic or from a foreign capital to re-enter the market. Hmm. I suppose from a foreign investor's point of view, though, the the problem with some of these measures is that although they help support the markets, they don't really deal with the underlying problems that are causing people to sell in the first place, which is um, you know the, the the ongoing troubles in the property market, deflation in the economy, um, and and so on. Are, are the regulators um, conscious of that? That at some point, um, you know, it, for for the market to have a sustainable rally it probably needs some of those underlying issues to be dealt with as you just mentioned the property market uh, whether stable in, uh, or not and also all the consumer confidence whether it can rejuvenate after Chinese New Year's mm-hmm. uh, because we've seen that two have reached a high level and uh, the money supply of course reached the extreme uh, you know the the uh, the, the central Bank reserve, uh, the the capital reserve also reduced. So that uh, you know shows the monetary policy has already done enough. Now the government uh, has to show more, uh, uh, you know, financial uh, incentive to the economy. So reduce the tax and uh, support the private enterprise, and uh, rejuvenate the uh, uh, the economic free uh, 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 their activities. Uh, so when the capital probably see that uh, can be turned around, hopefully at the two meetings that's coming up, 
in the, uh, March, early March, uh, in about uh, uh, two weeks' time. I will see the People's Congress and the, the consultor, uh, consultancy meetings, the so-called two meetings in early March. Hopefully, we'll see some new policy, uh, really, to have more incentive uh, to support the private enterprise and also to stabilize uh, the property market. Uh, so that part, uh, the modern market can be sustainable, really depend on, uh, we have seen new policy to stabilize the economy and regain the consumer confidence and also to see the uh, the manufacturing activity, the PMI can be continue in the, uh, in the experience and and what about the uh, the surprise cut in the loan prime rates, the twenty five basis point cut in the five year um, LPR? What sort of impact has that had on the market and on sentiment overall? Yeah, the so called asymmetry uh, cut of the reserve, uh, the LPR rate is uh, basically uh, trying to support the five year or the mortgage market. Uh, to to show that uh, the government still want to uh, put as much uh, as uh, po- uh, the policy incentive uh, to let the uh, to support uh, the property market uh, because that's the really currently the bottle the backstone uh, for the Chinese economy. So uh, the property market is stabilized. Hopefully, then we can see uh, the whole economy activity can be uh, stabilized. Uh, so that's the sign of the asymmetry cut of the LPR rate. Uh, but uh, besides that, uh, as, uh, the, uh, the, the market still wants to see uh, the finance department uh, has to show more uh, cutting the tax and show more uh, you know, it's support supporting measures for the small and uh, medium enterprise, uh, the private enterprise. Uh, otherwise, the whole economic activities, and also the employment uh, rate, uh, workers back to the workforce, back to the imp- uh, uh, back to the market can be regained. So that's uh, we still have to see in the next uh, months also whether the policy coming up. Yanan, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much for your insights this morning. Yeah, thank you, Peter. That's Yanan Wu, who is the chairman and CEO of Surfing Group, which is headquartered in Singapore. You're listening to Peter Lewis's Money Talk. Money Talk. Thank you for listening to Money Talk this morning. You can find more details about some of the topics I've been talking about today, along with information on other headlines and market moves in my daily newsletter. Take a look at peterlewismoneytalk.substack.com. I'll be back with another show tomorrow. Joining me then will be Mark Michelson, Chairman of the Asia CEO Forum at IMA Asia, David Roche, President and Global Strategist at Independent Strategy, and our US economics correspondent, writer and broadcaster, Barry Woods. See you tomorrow. Money Talk.